Welcome to TAC Talks, a podcast where we unpack the standards for registered training organisations to provide practical information to support business improvement and compliance practices. My name is Claire Marshall from the Training Accreditation Council, or TAC, and today I'm joined by Claire Werner, one of TAC's auditors. Claire is an expert in the field of training and assessment and the standards for RTOs. Today she'll help us navigate the topic, trainer and assessor requirements. We hope this podcast will assist in understanding the requirements in the standards for RTOs, the reasons for these, and how RTOs can meet these. Before we commence, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the Wujuk Noongar people on whose land we record today's podcast and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Good morning, Claire, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really welcome this discussion because it's something that RTOs ask about a lot. Yes, TAC often receives inquiries from qualified teachers, lecturers at universities and those previously involved in training seeking clarification on the requirements for trainers and assessors in the vocational education and training sector, or the VET sector. These questions often have a common theme, asking why they've been advised by RTOs that they're not qualified to be a trainer or assessor in the VET sector and why their qualifications or former experience is not considered sufficient. Claire, under the standards for RTOs, What are the credentials you must hold to be a trainer and assessor in the vet sector? This is a question that I get asked a lot in my work. So currently the standards for RTOs require that trainers and assessors have a certificate for in training and assessment. And this can either be the TAE 40116 or it could be the TAE 40110 with two additional units, the LNNN unit and the Design and Develop Assessment Tools Unit. Schedule 1 of our standards lists all the possible versions of these two units that could actually be used to meet this requirement. And the standards also say that you could hold a diploma or higher level qualification in adult education. TAC also gets questions on this very issue. Under the standards, does holding a diploma or high level qualification in adult education include lecturers from university or a teacher? This is a great question and it's one that's probably best explained by talking about the intent of Clause 1.14 and Schedule 1. Now the Certificate 4 in Training and Assessment is intended to provide trainers and assessors with the knowledge and skills to be effective in the VET sector. The option of having a diploma or a higher level qualification acknowledges that the Certificate 4 is not the only qualification that could achieve that. This option actually provides RTOs with the ability to consider other qualifications that their staff might hold and to determine whether they would enable a person to be effective as a trainer and assessor in the VET sector. The VET sector is really unique in that we work with national training packages where all RTOs actually deliver against the same outcome standards, our units of competency. In higher education, this isn't the case. Each university writes and accredits its own courses. So while the qualification names might be similar and there is often some similarity in content, each qualification in the higher education sector is unique. So the standards for RTOs give us some direction about the level of qualification and the focus area that might be acceptable. For example, a diploma and above a qualification in adult education, but they don't tell us which actual qualifications might meet that requirement. That's the job of the RTO to determine that. 
So in answering your question about university lecturers or teachers, some will have qualifications that align quite well uh, with what we would expect a vet trainer and assessor to know and do, and others won't. Thank you, Claire. Given that these qualifications are all different, what would you expect an RTO to do to determine a qualification will meet the requirements of Clause 1.14 and Schedule 1? I think an example might be the best way to explain this, and I'll use myself as that example. Uh, When I started working in the vet sector, I held a, a Bachelor of Education secondary, a graduate certificate in vocational training, and a master's degree in instructional systems design. When my boss said to me, Claire, you aren't qualified to teach in the vet sector, Uh, you need to have the certificate for, I was flabbergasted. How is it that with those qualifications and my experience, which was about 15 years at that time, that I didn't meet the requirements of the standards? I wasn't completely surprised at the teaching degree and the master's and those being questioned, But my graduate certificate in vocational training, in my mind, should have met the diploma or higher level qualification in adult education requirements. So I decided to investigate a little further. I looked at what was in the certificate for qualification and I compared that to what was in my graduate certificate. And what I found was that there was quite a degree of overlapping content between the graduate certificate and the certificate for when it came to learning and designing training both for institutional and workplace pathways. There were also things that were in the certificate for that I had never learnt about and I had never used, the biggest of which was actually training packages and assessing against units of competency and validation. All really crucial things if you want to work in the VAT sector. So my conclusion was that my boss had done exactly the right thing uh, because my qualifications had a really different focus to what was in the certificate for. So it was nothing to do, in fact, with the level of qualification that was held, but the content of the qualification. In my case, I decided to do RPL for the Certificate 4 units, where I did have the knowledge and skills, and to complete the units that were new to me. That was also the right thing for me to do to prepare for me to work in the VET sector. For an RTO, their responsibility is to assure that the people who deliver training and assessment are competent to do so. An RTO can consider diplomas or high-level qualifications, and when they do that, they need to consider the alignment between the knowledge and skills in those qualifications and what the VET sector has agreed is needed, which is represented in the Certificate 4. Do they align well or not? So what then might the options be for that person? Well, it would depend on how well their qualifications align. For example, they may choose an option that's similar to what I did and decide that holding the current qualification was actually the best idea and achieve that by a mix of RPL and completing units. So they might also choose to complete the units that they have a knowledge and skill gap in and not the full qualification. There might also be situations where that gap is substantial and RPL might not be possible at all. In this case, a person might actually need to complete a full certificate. There really isn't one answer to this question. RTOs and the individuals involved need to adopt a case-by-case approach and they need to make the best decisions for themselves. The standards for RTOs specify that trainers and assessors must also be skilled vet practitioners. Can you tell us what this means and what else the standards require of trainers and assessors and why? Standards require that trainers and assessors meet five requirements. 
they meet the TAE requirements, they're vocationally competent, they're industry current, they have current knowledge and skills in vocational training and learning, and they engage in professional development that covers the four points that I've just mentioned. It's requirement four that people ask questions about current knowledge and skills in vocational training and learning that informs their training and assessment. What does this actually mean? So when you think about our sector over the past few years, there have been a lot of changes. We have a vet reform agenda that is actually touching every part of the sector. And as trainers and assessors, we need to understand what this means for our practice. We have qualifications reform. We have the standards for RTOs being updated. We have a focus on foundation skills. We have a review of the AQF. We have sector governance changes with the setup of the national industry clusters. As trainers and assessors, each of these changes informs what and how we do our jobs. When you think about the changes to how we use technology in learning, I doubt that there is a trainer and assessor out there now that hasn't to some degree been using online learning over the past few years. What's important is that trainer and assessors keep up to date with the new ways we deliver and assess and new tools to improve the way we do things. Requirement four is about just that, keeping our knowledge and skills up to date and using that knowledge and skills to make sure that our training and assessment practice is effective as possible. Thank you for speaking with us today, Claire, and working through the requirements for trainers and assessors in the vet sector. We hope that this information has assisted RTO understanding. For further information for our listeners, there is a fact sheet titled Trainer and Assessor Regulatory Requirements available on the TAC website at www.tac.wa.gov.au via the Education Program webpage as well as a number of other resources related to this topic. You've been listening to TAC Talks with Claire Werner on the topic of trainer and assessor requirements. I'm Claire Marshall from TAC, and I thank you for joining us.